Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to the NFL Trend Zone. We had a week off, but we are here. We're going to go through under the radar storylines for the NFL in 2023. I am your host, Dustin Baker, here with Wes Johnson and Cody Spears. That's what's on the agenda tonight. The NFL season is about 85 days away, and that's thereabouts where the day count is. So let's chat on some of the stuff that folks aren't talking about in terms of storylines. Foremost, however, Bet Online is your number one source for all of your championship information, final stats, news, and scores, and all of that. Get the latest odds and lines in all of the latest matchup reports at betonline.ag. That place is your sports intel headquarters, let me tell you, this season, as they have you covered for all of your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball and hockey to Major League Baseball, UFC, and boxing, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information, including live betting options and your favorite Vegas casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get in the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use your promo code Believe. B-L-E-A-V, believe, that's the promo code, and receive 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. We're back, and as I prefaced in our introduction, we're talking about under-the-radar Viking, or excuse me, NFL storylines, Vikings bias already showing through on Wednesday night. Um, so here's, here's the reason I came up with this talking point or selection of talking points is because I'm sick of hearing about, oh, Justin Fields is going to make the next step, or the Lions are going to win the division. I'm sick of hearing about those automatic things. It's like you pull up Bleacher Report or NFL.com and it's it's what you hear about. And it's great for them that those teams are creeping on a come up fine. But I want to talk about the stuff that nobody else is. So I've asked the panel here with Wes Johnson, Cody Spears to come up with under the radar headlines. I'm going to start with you, Wes. It doesn't matter which order you present them or if we double up. What is one of your items that's not being talked about for the most part that you want to lift up? I'll start with one that's, I guess, a little more talked about than than the other ones I have, and um, that is uh, Lamar Jackson in the revamp Ravens offense. Um, I think that they are set up this year to um, run out the group of guys that they've assembled, and you know, put more of an emphasis on uh, passing the ball. Uh, which will be a stark contrast from years past where um, the team was very run heavy. Um, A lot of that running, especially with Lamar, led to uh, injuries, be it Lamar or J.K. Dobbins uh, or a couple of the other running backs over the years have have suffered, you know, significant injuries that kept them out of numerous games. Um, They added... Odell Beckham in the offseason. They drafted Zay Flowers. Uh, they have uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, former first rounder, returning from uh, Liz Frank injury on his foot. Uh, that, I guess, has started to flare up already in camp. So he'll probably be worked back in a lot Such slower. Such a shame. Such a shame. Uh, they have incumbent. Uh, Mark Andrews, uh, always steady, always a favorite target for Lamar. Um, 
as I mentioned before, they they enter, you know, with a, a new offensive coordinator. And I, I think that's kind of what's been missing. I, I feel that their offense got a little stagnant over the last few years. And um it might have capped Lamar's growth during that time. Uh so hopefully with this new offense coordinator, they're able to show out a little bit more, show his passing uh, acumen and and take it from there. And then they have uh JK Dobbins. Uh, he's you know a full year removed from his ACL injury. Uh, he came on towards the end of last year and you know he should hit the ground running uh in a contract year and that's that's a little hint for uh one of my topics later so um yeah I, I expect a lot from this Ravens offense this year what about obj do you expect uh much out of him or do you think that that was just a contract signing for Lamar Jackson to sign his contract yeah, I, I mean, we talked about Dobbins being a year removed from the ACL. Uh, OBJ is going to be um, not even a year removed from two ACLs, which mm-hmm. uh, I don't expect much from him. I, I think that you know he'll he'll take some targets, but I think ultimately this offense wants to run through Andrews. Uh, Bateman, if he's healthy, and then sprinkle in OBJ and Flowers. My first one involves the New England Patriots, and I'm not sure if we'll double up on this topic, but the reason I'm representing bringing them up tonight is since Tom Brady left and now retired, the Patriots are seven and nine, 10 and seven, and eight and nine, which is kind of what you'd expect and pretty decent for losing your goat quarterback. Um, but my question is, and under the radar, under the radar storyline is how long do the Patriots settle for relative mediocrity? Uh, we heard, I believe it right was before the draft, maybe about a month for the draft that they were fed up. With Mac Jones thought perhaps there would be a trade, um, but then that didn't happen. So presumably he's on deck or if he loses some sort of camp battle to uh, Bailey Zapp, I don't know, but how long? Bill Belichick is not a young man, so I wonder, in the murderous division, especially since Aaron Rodgers now lives in it, I think the ceiling for the Patriots is probably 9-8, and 10-7 and seven again, and that's fine and dandy, but we know that they won't beat the Chiefs, they probably won't beat the Bengals or the Bills or even the Jets. So I wonder, is this just going to be the way it goes for Belichick down the, the final seasons of his career, that he's a, a decent to average football coach without Brady? Or do they do something sexy when they realize Mac Jones isn't that great? Who's I mean, he's decent, he's good, and but I mean he's not he's not I don't think he's ever gonna climb. There's a reason that he was like a third round prospect that just found his way to the first round in the last week in the lead up to the 2021 NFL draft. But my uh, my underlying question for this under the radar segment is how long does New England's front office and Mr. Belichick just say, you know what? We're okay with doing the nine and eight dance without Brady. That's that's what we're gonna do. Or do they do something special next offseason to get a quarterback that's a little bit more dynamic? Career year for Mac Jones incoming. I know you expected it coming from me, but <laughs> Bill O'Brien, I mean, he's gonna be the truth up there in New England. Ramondre Stevenson has the potential to finish as the season's number one running back. Their offensive line is only getting better. Hopefully their defense comes back. I'm definitely rooting for Mac Jones, but um, Obviously, I'm biased with these young players. 
Well, what I'm uh, going to do, what I'm going to, I swear to God, I'm going to do this in the next, what is it, 86 days for kickoff. I want to do a show or at least a half hours with the show where you bring up all your negative stuff. I want you to go through all the teams <laughs> or all the quarterbacks that you're low on that you think aren't going to pan out. Um, because other than that, you're, you're captain positivity. And I want to hear the players, not tonight, but the players <laughs> or teams that you don't like. Uh, that would so, be such a fun show. I'll do it. I'll make a list. I'll all right, cool. It. All right, I'll figure out when that works. And, and that'll be pretty good much that. be like dudes I will not draft in fantasy football, and it should kind of cross over. Overlap? All right, perfect. Mm-hmm. All right, so we got Lamar Jackson cover. We got the Belichick, or excuse me, the, the Ravens' new offense. Belichick's evident mediocrity since Brady left. What's your first one, Cody? I got the Atlanta Falcons taking this lead by storm. Uh, their offensive play, their offense has playmakers possessing top three ceiling at all a running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Uh, and then you got the lifeblood of this offense relies up front in their offensive line. This is a widely considered top five, if not top three, offensive line in the NFL behind the Lions and Eagles. You got their right guard, Chris Lindstrom, headlines these hogs, and he's an absolute unit at right guard, just earned an extension <laughs> along with their right tackle. Their center is a little iffy in pass pro, but overall, this whole offensive line uh, was the best run blocking line in the league last year. And they're also very sound in pass pro. Uh, you had Bijan Robinson to this team where they just had a fifth round rookie and Tyler Algier go for a thousand yards. It's going to be really hard for Desmond Ritter to, to fail. And um, I mean, you back this by a weak division and a revamped defense and the Falcons can really do some damage this season. Uh, the newfound cap space was used to land veteran defensive line help. And it also added uh, some linebackers and Bud Dupree, Caden Ellis, who's very underrated as a blitzer. And then they also got Jesse Bates to headlines their free agents and a couple other corners. The way this offense is set up is only going to help this defense get better. They're, they're already littered with young players on defense. I think the Falcons are ready to climb back out of the cellar and take advantage of a weekend NFC South now that the goat's gone. And I mean, just a couple years ago, they're looking at playing Tom Brady coming off a Super Bowl. How are you ever going to beat the Bucks? Mm-hmm. And now the division's up for grabs. I fully expect this team to take it. And I mean, at running back, wide receiver, and tight end, they should have top eight at worst at each of those spots, which is pretty great with the best offensive line in the league. How good? Somehow, if Ritter's not the guy and they take a QB next year, to the moon. Oh, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say, but then I didn't want to disagree because I, I think they'll be pretty good too. If they suck and we're all wrong, then they can be in the Drake May and Caleb Williams sweepstakes. And then, by the way, you have Bajan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts. Not a, not a bad situation to waltz into. I do like Ritter, though. Uh, mm-hmm. On this show last year, I was saying Ritter was my QB1 ahead of Kenny Pickett. So, what, what, I, uh, riding with him. Okay. What's his I, ceiling? What's Ritter's ceiling as a comp? Ooh, um, man, I'd say like probably like a, this is sound crazy, probably like a Russell Wilson. I think okay. he has some 4 6 uh, wheels to him. Uh, he, he's, mm-hmm. he's not the most accurate on every throw especially not even over the middle, but I mean, boundary plays with someone like Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And then now you add Bijan Robinson over there. I think he can get it done, but just like with Russell Wilson, never being a top three or mm-hmm. quarterback or top five quarterback in the league because of his inability to get it done over the middle of the field, but also not being like a rusher, but he was like nimble and quick, mm-hmm. you know, and that's kind of how I view Desmond. Okay. But, and, and the way they're setting up this team, 
they could probably get it done with Mac, like a, I say Mac Jones, but like a Kirk Cousins, they mm-hmm. can do it with the top sixteen quarterback. This that, that's the way they're building this team. Is if they don't get a franchise altering QB, they might still be all right. Wes, we cut you off there. What were you gonna say? Oh yeah, I was just gonna say from a fantasy perspective, I'm a I'm a little bit wary. Um. I was listening to a, another podcast earlier today, and they were talking about um, you know what, what they project. And you figure Drake London and Kyle Pitts will probably take about 50% of the target share in that mm-hmm. offense. However, that breaks down. Um, so they're going to get a, a good quantity of targets. Um then the the rest of it's going to be spread out between, you know, uh, Mac Collins, who's their their wide receiver two, Scotty Miller, who's their wide receiver three, uh, Bijan will factor in a little bit to uh, those receptions. They still have Cordero Patterson, who the coaching staff trusts still. Um, they have last year's rookie Tyler Algier, who put up a thousand yards uh, in that backfield. Uh, so I'm I'm a little concerned. I, you, one of the three of Bijan, Drake, London, and Kyle Pitts is likely to be towards the top of their position, but a, a lot of people are projecting uh, each one of those guys to be kind of high at their position, and I just don't see that happening with a quarterback like Desmond Ritter, who doesn't has the, have the experience to necessarily drive those numbers for those players. Yeah, especially with the tempo of their offense being one of the slower in the league. You just don't mm. see the distribution really being there. Yeah. And after London, when they have Mac Hollins and Scotty Miller, who that combo most would consider like, oh, that's all. You also have uh, Patterson, who was drafted to be a wide receiver in a pinch. If you if you indeed needed him to fill in, that's that was supposed to be his main job with the Vikings, but it didn't work. Um, Wes, can you hear us? He's looking really still for a second. Yeah, it really. I got to figure out if I can get him back on the main screen so no. I can. <laughs> can you hear us, Wes? <laughs> All right, man. Log back off and log log on. That was great. Um, if you're listening back to this, Wes, the the screen froze right on your face, and it emulates how you're feeling right now. Just uh, unhappy about the internet. So, so I'm gonna skip ahead. Let's see. Uh, I'll get to mine, and then by the time he's back, uh, my next one is about the Buffalo Bills. And believe it or not, it's not about Stefan Diggs. Uh, nothing about what Diggs do- did this week surprises me one bit because I'm a Viking fan. And uh, his his moodiness is nothing new to me. However, what I do want to talk about with the Bills is there is a very good possibility that they do exactly what they've done in the last three years. And that is barnstorm the regular season and look like, you know, badasses in the playoffs, but then just unceremoniously lose to the Chiefs or the Bengals and at home, no less. So then what? Then do what did the where do the Bills go from there if they do exactly what they've done the last three years? Because if I was a Bills fan or a Bills analyst, I would be like, I don't know what else we could do. And the only thing you'd have left to do would be to fire the head coach and try something new. It seems a little bit weird that you would do that because of how good of a head coach is. But my my under the radar storyline is, I think the Bills are probably 
let's see, six, seven months away from becoming a joke that they always get close to the Super Bowl, but never quite get there. And my question for the under the radar storyline is how do you fix that if it happens once again? Like, I don't know how the roster can really get that much better. Um, so yeah. that is, yep. What were you going to say? The, I was going to say the defense has to become accountable. I mean, your head coach, that's his his specialty is the defense. And you look at what Philadelphia did with Andy Reid letting him go, and it actually ended up working out in the long run. If this defense can't start being the reason why Buffalo is going to the playoffs instead of Josh Allen, I don't think they're going to win a ring. But if they get it to where Josh Allen is the one that's kind of helping, like, this contributing to the team's success instead of him being the only reason mm-hmm. that's when the bills can start cooking their team their defense has been pretty decently great statistic wise for the past couple seasons ranking top five or so in a lot of metrics but they're not exactly there in crunch time whenever they're really needed and so if he can't turn things around on defense at one point like you said are they wasting years of josh allen's mm-hmm. careers at what point do they really have to consider hey we got to go with you know ben johnson from the lions because if this defense isn't going to step up in an age where defense is getting chopped down at the knees we just got to continue accelerating this offense and but like you mentioned that'd be super weird for a guy who's coming off or for a coach who's coming off a of super bowl aspirations the past three years and even though they're not really missing it, I don't feel like he's taken a lot of heat yet. Mm-mm. So, I mean, how, how long is this going to take? Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. because they've had a deserved honeymoon for getting back to that national stage that they were when I was a kid. The Bills were absolute, like, guaranteed to be studs when I was getting into football. So I think they're enjoying that clout, mm-hmm. but yet they're not even getting to the Super Bowl to lose it anymore like they did four straight years in the early 90s. They're losing beforehand. And with the expectations, Josh Allen is called an MVP candidate every year now. And he is that he had 23 turnovers, which was really, really weird last year. But yeah, the defense should be this team's calling card because that's kind of how it started during the McDermott era is with Tyrod Taylor and then Allen. They were propped up by defense. And then something happened. I don't know if it was the salary cap going to all the offensive flavors, probably. Uh, Then it became an offense first organization. And they just curiously can't one of these years that the they have to be able to break through. And I don't even really care if they get the Super Bowl and lose it. They can't keep losing to the Chiefs and the Bengals in the postseason because if you're going to pay a quarterback that much money and call him a top three quarterback, it's his turn one of the times. Look at how the NBA, a new superstar, breaks through and wins his chip almost every year. Uh, whether it was this year in Jokic, two years ago with uh, Giannis, like he deserves his turn to win a Lombardi. And I just don't know when it's going to come. If they lose again this year, it's like something's got to change. And this guy doesn't know what to change. So somebody else got to figure it out. Wes, you're back. What's your next storyline? Uh, next one from myself also has kind of been talked about a little bit more so around the draft time, but uh, I will go with the Philadelphia Bulldogs. <laughs> um, what if it doesn't work? Uh too much hoopla mainly over the last two two years uh they seem to gobble up and add as many uh georgia bulldogs as they can they currently have six on the roster Uh, i believe all six are projected to start um and they have a an abundance of talent and they have very high expectations for 
um for the season it's it's super bowl or bust for for philadelphia and i'm i'm just wondering will those expectations be too much um you know sometimes having too much talent it, it fails it takes a while for the team to gel etc they're gonna have a target on their back as well um i don't think any team playing them this year is going to take them lightly um, they're going to get everybody's best shot. And that is sometimes difficult to overcome. Uh, not to mention, you know, Dallas, Washington, and the Giants, they all got better in the offseason. Um, and I guarantee you uh, player additions that they made in the offseason were directly to combat this Philadelphia team. Um, a lot of those teams, you know, got their butt whooped by Philly during the season. and you know, they wanted to make whatever necessary adjustments needed to, um, you know, take Philly down. So I, I, um, I'm weary on them being, uh, the team that comes out of the NFC and makes it to the Super Bowl. If you were going to pull out a Excel spreadsheet or Microsoft, or excuse me, Google sheet and do NFC or excuse me, a NFL standings and playoff matchups. Would you pick the Eagles to get to the Super Bowl right now? Uh, right now? Yes, because they, they are the, you know, incumbent representative and mm-hmm. they've, they have the talent. Uh, I mean, they didn't lose anybody in the off season without re- really replacing them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, there are, there will be holes on the roster. There's holes on every roster, but um, yeah, I just I, I I think that they're definitely the team to beat, and I I think because of that, you know, there's a possibility that they might fall short. Is there any complacency, or is just that it's you think it all looks too good to be true? There could be. Um, it's difficult to get to the Super Bowl, lose, and then come back the next year and yeah. make the Super Bowl. Nobody does it. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and that in and of itself, um, you know, gives me cause to kind of say, well, wait a minute. They, mm-hmm. This might not be the team that, that comes out of the NFC this year. Forever, or for however talented they are, um, there could be some sneaky team like you know cody's atlanta falcons that, that could <laughs> i thought grind, you had to read my mind i'm grinding their to, way to it i'm trying and trying to hold in my 49ers and trey lance hype for that whole segment <laughs> they're the team that's gonna have to be taken down by philadelphia <laughs> i've been telling you all for two or three years now trey lance is the guy we're gonna see it this year is that I mean, your is that your next one, next one, or do you have a different one? It, it's not. I was just have, sitting here having an epiphany, <laughs> and I'm over here like, man, the 49ers had a chance without Trey Lance. Yeah, man. And if, the, fu- if, the funny if what part I say is about Trey Lance comes true. They really got a chance. Well, and the funny part is they're going to have a chance, even if it's Purdy or Darnold or whoever else they might sign. Um, they wouldn't even need Lance to have a chance because they've proven that they can do that. Now, if Lance is good, finally, um, then yeah, then that that would be the the vision coming to fruition. That you know he's better than just a a guy like Garoppolo or uh, Purdy. Uh, yeah, upstart Purdy seventh rounder. <laughs> um, yeah, that would that's and that's what you've been preaching for. That's what that's what they wanted when they traded yeah, the farm. He's for him. he's better than a Jag and Purdy Purdy believers. 
would crucify me that for this, but Brock Purdy is a Jag. He's he's the definition of he's just a guy. I mean, yeah, he's he's pretty talented at doing what he's supposed to do, but he doesn't have those special traits. No, I swear to God, and it's tough. It's tough for me because like, I really want to believe Purdy was the real deal, and he might be. But every game that I watched with him, everybody was so wide open. And yeah, I kid you yeah. not, I was like, well, of course he's going to be great. That The kiddo was like wide open. It, Shanahan does not get enough credit for his play calling last season. Obviously, Andy Reid gets all the credit he deserves. But Shanahan, I mean, you put Mac Jones on that team and they might have won the Super Bowl last year. The, the, the play calling was great. But like you said, everybody is wide open. But not only that, look at the yak ability of literally everybody on starting <laughs> on that team. Brandon Ayuk's probably the worst. And I don't have his stats down or anything like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Ayuk was a top 30 receiver and yak. You know, Debo Samuel is up there. Christian McCaffrey's up there. George Kittle's up there. I mean, you just get the... Oh, you cut out there. It's internet. It's an internet epidemic. <laughs> internet epidemic. This <laughs> last season. All right, now he's back. All right, you cut out, you cut out for a second, Cody. Oh, no, we, we think <laughs> I was bleeding, going for it. It's bleeding over now, into your we'll, server. We'll, we'll summarize that the 49ers were backing rats into corners last season, mm-hmm. and that was with a guy who's just connecting dots. Yeah. So let's see what they could do whenever you could do more than just connect dots. Amen. What's your next under the radar storyline? Sweet. Hopefully, I don't cut out during this. So I'll try to get it out <laughs> quick. Um, the chart—it's the Chargers. The Chargers' offense should be shooting to the moon. QB Justin Herbert is a great bet for MVP. One of my bets that I've made so far for MVP, and he's backed by playmakers at every level of his offense: a top offensive line and a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore should truly elevate the pace and output of this offense. He was let go of Dallas because he couldn't give the defense enough time off the field, throwing off the balance of the team. That seems like it's going to be great for the production for the offense. So let's visit some Kellen Moore stats. Kellen Moore was never outside of the top two in tempo, and he was first four times. Last season, the Cowboys were 11th in EPA per play on no huddle plays. The Chargers were 21st and had 71 fewer no huddle snaps. If you go back two years, you have the Chargers at 22nd in total no huddle snaps with 152. Over the same span, you have Kellen Moore and the Cowboys at six in no huddle snaps. The Chargers added a new weapon in the draft in wide receiver Quentin Johnson, who's going to go in the flat, and he'll pair excellently with their other wide receivers, Keenan Allen, who eats in the middle of the field, and then Mike Williams, who's kind of like a jump ball specialist down the field. Uh, and then you also got Austin Eckler and Gerald Everett returning after Pro Bowl worthy years. Their offensive line is uh, top five ceiling, assuming that their left tackle, uh, Rashawn Slater, returns to the fold with full health. And all of this is without mentioning QB Justin Herbert's extraordinary start to his career. In those same two years under his old coordinator, Herbie posted a 38 to 15 touchdown interception ratio with 5K yards in 2021 and a 25 to 10 ratio with 4,700 yards in 2022. And a wild stat that I found on Pro Football Reference, Herbert leads NFL history in average pass attempts per game with 40.1. Next is Andrew Luck at 38, and then Mahomes at 37. They trust him with the rock. They always have, and now this guy's going to get way more opportunities. There's, There's no way he doesn't have a career year in my mind, and that's I just talked about a 38 to 15 TDINT ratio with 5K yards. Justin Herbert should be 
putting that one to rest and that puts him square in the the target for MVP voting especially if he's doing something like keeping track with Pat Mahomes and making the playoffs and making them seem not so daunting if the Chargers are relevant at all it's going to be because of Justin Herbert and he's probably going to get some MVP votes so you'll recall in December, January, we had Yannick Eckhart on here from Germany for about five episodes, and he gave me this exact same speech about Herbert on a Slack work channel uh, about 10 hours ago. So this must be something to keep an eye on because two elite brains are telling me that Justin Herbert is going to morph into even more of an elitist than he has shown in his first, what, three seasons. Mm-hmm. So you, I'm yeah, buying. you, yeah, you heard it here. Uh, it's Herbert, it's Herbert being the real, real deal. And never mind my talker from a couple weeks ago that Brandon Staley is going to finally get fired because those two things wouldn't add up. Contract gear too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> contract gear. Uh, also uh deep fantasy sleeper, Quentin Johnston, Mm-hmm. Um, look for a second half or earlier boom from him. Um, his main competition on that team is Mike Williams, who, uh, according to DraftSharks.com, has a, a very high risk of injury. Uh, chance of injury in 2023 is 93%. <laughs> yeah, all of their playmakers, are, yeah. I assume, are kind of like that. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, he gets hurt. Johnson steps in and you know the rest could be history if he takes off with yeah with the Chargers on on best ball underdog drafts the Chargers are some of my favorite stacks you know you try to stack quarterbacks with receivers and maybe back it up by a tight end so that no matter who catches a touchdown you're going to get those points from it and you got Gerald Everett going very late in drafts and then you got all those receivers going about the the top two go about a round after each other but Quentin Johnson like you said He's sneaky hanging out down there. And what's interesting is he's going to have a defined role. Brandon Staley, after they drafted him, was talking about how an element of their offense that they were missing was a guy in the flat who could make people miss. And so they were just force feeding um, Austin Eckler there in the flat. Now they went out and acquired this guy. What's crazy about Quentin Johnson, and and I don't know the exact numbers, but I believe he had like 7.8 yards after the catch in college. The next closest receiver in the draft had like under four and a half which Mm. which is pretty crazy quentin johnson if there was anything that he could do it was take that ball and run with it and what was important whenever he was being drafted was that he wasn't going to go to a team that wanted him to be a mike williams or like a boundary receiver he needed to go to a team that had maybe debo like aspirations and i think he found a great fit in la and a lot of people like Jordan Addison above him, and I'm not sure it's as easy as that. And I love Jordan Addison. <laughs> well, if he ever gets on the field, that would be great. And it's just been he's been shelved for uh, OTAs and minicamp for something minor, whatever that means. Uh, yeah, Wes. Yeah. Um, what do you got for your next under the radar? Your second to last one. Yeah, so I'm gonna. Uh keep the conversation about Austin Eckler going um, and talk about the, how the running back value continues to tank uh, in the NFL. Uh, It seems to me like the NFL offseason got kicked off uh, earlier this spring with uh, Eckler holding out and requesting a trade. Uh, He wanted, you know, an update on his contract. Uh, He had signed a four year, uh, 
$24.5 million contract uh, with the Chargers. He is set to make uh, $6.25 million this year. Um, this is all after you know leading the uh, NFL in touchdowns this past year. Uh, this guy kind of does everything for the team. Um, they were able to uh, have a kumbaya moment and uh, add uh, 1.75 million in incentives to his deal. But again, that's kind of peanuts for a guy that was uh, a large part of their offense. Um, this running back market thing, it, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, think about the free agent veterans on the market still. You have Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook. Um, you got, you know, Lenny uh, from Tampa Bay. You have Kareem Hunt also on the market from Cleveland. Um, we had or we saw a lot of uh, franchise tags this offseason. Uh, Saquon, he he got the franchise tag. Josh, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard. Those are all franchise tag uh, players. Why? Because these contracts for running backs are shit. <laughs> and the, the NFL teams can afford to franchise tag these players and probably do it again. And it's really pigeonholing um, these running backs. And I I don't know if we'll get to a point where the p- position will be phased out to an extent or, or what, but if I'm a, a kid in high school uh, who's got the talent and athletic ability, I don't know if I'm playing running back. <laughs> oh, definitely not. You, you yeah. can't let your kids play running back. No, I, I don't know if I'm going to play running back. I don't know if I'm going to go to college and want to play running back because there's there's not a future if I have that talent in in the or at the highest level. Uh, so I, I think that the NFL really needs to sit down and look at it and kind of protect these players. Um, we have up, up uh, coming contracts for Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, uh, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, who I mentioned earlier, uh, Antonio Gibson, A.J. Dillon. Those guys are all going to be up for contracts next year. Yeah, uh, not to J- mention Kamara, yeah. Connor, Mixon, and Aaron Jones could all definitely get cut. Yeah. That's like half the league is going to be on the block. Yeah. I think the only way to do it, I think we talked about this before. Well, we definitely have, but um, I think we floated that, you know, rookie contracts have to be more for running backs, something like that. I think, but then if I'm a GM, I just won't draft him. I'll wait till UDFA and then screw you and your new rule. (laughs) I think the only way to protect it is to have some semblance of a supplemental supplementary salary cap for running backs. So you, you get your yeah. blah, 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 200, blah, 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 million for your team. And then you have 20, 25 million to pay to running backs that, you know, that way you like it's separated because yeah. that's, that's the only way it would make sense to say, all right, well, I want to give Dalvin cook 14 million of my $20 million running back cap, but it won't hit against the rest of the ledger. Um, That's the only way I can think to do it. And I swear to God, that 22, 23 years ago, when the Denver Broncos saw Terrell Davis retire, they started this. They started doing this with Clinton Portis. They found a guy who was awesome and said, well, who cares? We'll just trade him to the commanders, get Champ Bailey. Or wait, no, it was the other No, yeah, it was get Champ Bailey. And then they've done it ever since. It's just take a running back, 
run them into the ground, go get the next one. And somewhere along the line, the league figured out like, you know what? That works. And now everybody does it outside of like the three biggies. And right now those are McCaffrey, Saquon and Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I think your idea is great. It's something that I've kind of tossed around in my head before. And I feel like the main reason they wouldn't do that is because then you'd have teams somehow exploiting it using the running backs. So then I thought of this even crazier idea as I was going down the rabbit hole before this show. Uh, you, you for uh, verbatim almost uh, said my first paragraph I had written here. So let me just <laughs> add on at the end. Um, over the time, the positional impact of these players could be reassessed. So let's say in like five years uh, with your like supplemental salary cap, you kind of have set for the running backs. If if the league moves to paying elite running backs or however they're looking to exploit that, you could also put it in there um, to maybe move around to different positions that are hurting i think would be interesting mm-hmm. every maybe five years you you or maybe you reevaluate it with the cba agreement or something like that it could be safeties because you know safeties are on uh the downtrend so are tight ends and I, I think running backs are just the they're going the way of fullbacks they're just the next ones to go next it's going to be tight ends and safeties mm-hmm. you're only going to have linebackers and corners and I don't even know if you're going to have defense tackles anymore. I just have two. <laughs> or off ball linebackers. Yeah, right. exactly. So, uh, I mean, nobody wants an NFL to exist where running back doesn't exist. It's one of the most exciting positions on the field. And nobody wants to see these once bright stars dimmed after just four years. Like, it's crazy to me. Now, McCook's what, like 27, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is nuts to me that this guy's on, on the open market and nobody's really interested. It's, it, it baffles me. Even Zeke, 28. And what's even crazier is I'm sitting here. I understand. Like, <laughs> I completely understand why Zeke's not on a team. And you take us back 10, 15 years ago. I mean, heck, look at Adrian Peterson was playing on an NFL team when he's like 36. You're never going to see that again. Yeah, and the, Never, and ever, the, ever, ever, ever. The key part to remember about um, this running back conversation that we've had a dozen times and that the world will have 1,000 more times in the next year is that there's no screw job going on. This isn't like, oh, look what they're doing to these poor running back. This is just analytics permeating football. Mm-hmm. You realize that, all right, you give this guy the ball, you got a good offensive line, he's going to get four yards, great. You know, just call them all John Doe. And then as long as you got a good quarterback, a couple good receivers, that's the way to go, baby. And by the way, a defense. But yeah, I think the mentality, even when I write about this seemingly on a daily basis because of Dalvin Cook, it almost feels like it's collusion, but it's really not. It's just the way that uh, science and math have come together in football and said, you don't really need to pay these guys. So Mm -hmm. do you think going forward, we saw Jameer Gibbs taken at 12th overall, and we also saw Bijan Robinson taken at 8th overall. Do we think that with the way things are going with running back contracts, are you going to see running backs pushed up the board to where they're saying, hey, we want a superstar player, but we don't want to have to pay for him, and maybe we want that fifth year? Mm-hmm. Are we going to see maybe more running back aid, uh, drafts, draft positions and real-time drafts for the league? Are we going to see those pushed into the first round more often, do you think? Or do you think the whole running back position as a whole is going to get pushed down the board? We're going to see running backs taken later because they're flooding the market. You got dudes next to like Mixon and Kamara sitting there, free agency as someone's picking up, pick 18th in the draft, stud running back sitting there. Are you going to take a corner? Or are you going to take uh, Jameer Gibbs because you're only paying 800K a year for Jameer Gibbs? Yeah, I'm, I think I, I think it, I think you have to if if they're the cream of the crop guys, then uh, you know, like Bijan or in the Lions' opinion, Gibbs, then yeah, you'd want that coveted 
five-year arrangement and it can actually be six because of the franchise tag if he if he truly is the guy like Bijan's supposed to be um, but then after that there's really no sense in the middle ground to take a guy in the second or third because you're wasting a cornerback pick or a defensive end pick and you might as well like the Vikings wait until the seventh round to get Dwayne McBride who in yeah. drafts eight years ago would have been a third rounder so I, I think that the, the the best of the best will probably still there will be some team because of these old school brains that'll say, you know what, damn it, I'm going to go ahead and get Gibbs because he's a damn good football player. Um, and then we'll see just a continuation of <laughs> minimizing their importance in general, because it's just like it's baseball. Like Wes can tell you now, for the most part, hitters swing for the fences because a home run is more instant points and gratification than a single. And so you watch a baseball game and you're like, oh, another strikeout. Lovely, because these guys aren't, for the most part, hitting for contact they're being told to go swing for the fences. And if you take a peek at folks batting averages, shit like 230 is de- decent. Now you're like, Oh, that guy's hitting 235. When I was a kid, that sucked. And na- now it's like, well, that's cool because he's got 25 home runs and you're like, Oh, okay. Now it makes sense. It's it, the money ball where it started in baseball has said, you know, go ahead and hit home runs because single, single, single doesn't really do a whole lot for us. Baseball segue. We can go ahead and count this as my next topic. <laughs> uh, speaking of swinging for the fences, I was reading about, you know, the rookie quarterbacks today. Has the panel t- uh, officially decided yet at this point that the Panthers make a mistake by trading up for Bryce Young and not Anthony Richardson? Or do we not think so? The, no, I, you think, I, no, I got to see Richardson. I'm, <clears throat> I, I really don't know. Like I know you he's take safe over ceiling, floor yeah, over ceiling. Yeah, yeah, because the Richard the Richardson's thing is it scares me that he hardly has played football. Well, I mean, he he yeah. had the he had the the decent season and we saw his good highlights ad nauseum. Um, but the paranoia for me is that why did it take him so long and why did he only have yeah. one collection of games? Bryce Young is already starting uh, first string practices and apparently he's been looking great. So CJ Stroud and we're still waiting to see if Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson starting week one. And I'm the biggest Anthony Richardson fan. Y'all fine. Yeah. So I, uh, I still think it was a mistake, but I'm just curious to see where you guys' opinions are going up throughout the season. I don't think it was a mistake for them to draft this high because they needed to end their tomfoolery of trying asshole veteran quarterbacks. And the Colts are good at one thing in the last 25 years, and that's drafting first round quarterbacks. So I trust them to have gotten it right. But no, if I was the general manager picking with a high pick, I would first of all, Stroud was my guy in terms of the ones who are going to be the best out of this class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bryce Young, the only thing that makes me nervous is the size. Uh, but uh, Richardson, I just I I don't think he's going to suck. I just don't think he's going to be brilliant right away. What about you, Wes? Uh, do you think that the Panthers made a mistake and took the wrong quarterback? Uh, no, I, I think the resume that Bryce Young has put together, um, you know, has earned him the number one spot. Um, the only knock on the guy is his height. Mm-hmm. and. I mean, we, we've seen quarterbacks with his similar height be able to get it done in the NFL, be it uh, Russell Wilson, be it Drew Brees. Um, you know, offensive coordinators are savvy enough to to create movement in the pocket uh, if height is an issue uh, or launch angle with the pass. 
Um, I, I think that, you know, Bryce Young has all the intangibles that you'd want in a quarterback. And, uh, you know, it might take a, a little bit for him to figure it out, but I, I think that ultimately he'll, he'll be able to um, master NFL defenses. I, I think he's that smart. He's, you know, he, he's been battle tested. Think about it. He went up against that Alabama defense every day in practice. And, you know, those guys aren't slouches. So I, I, I really think that he's got what it takes. All right. My next under the radar storyline. And I don't really know why people aren't talking about this. Maybe because it's, it's boring. Um, but to me, the AFC North is absolutely murderous. Uh, I usually write about this time in the calendar when the news cycle slows down. I start to put together my win-loss predictions for every team. And when I when I get to the AFC North, in those four teams, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens, one of those teams is probably going to have to be in the basement with a 7-10 and 10 record. You're probably not going to have every team 8-9 and nine or better. And I'll be damned if I could figure out who that's going to be. It's certainly not going to be the Bengals unless Joe Burrow gets hurt. The Ravens really look too good unless Lamar Jackson gets hurt. The Steelers never have a losing record. And then the Browns get a full offseason of Sean Watson. And then, by the way, Stefanski on the hot seat. So I always caution this because the best division of football usually finds a way to look stupid. But it's so weird for me to look at the AFC North and try to find a bad team. I guess if gun to my head, I had to pick, it would be the Browns that Deshaun Watson fully fulfills his villain role and isn't very good in Cleveland. But I don't know. It just, they, they don't seem deficient on talent. They they have Zadarius Smith and uh, Miles Garrett on the edges of their defensive line. And I, my challenge to our listeners is in the AFC North, go find the bad team. And I guess it's maybe Pickett sucks and the Steelers finally have a losing season or Deshaun Watson isn't very good, and the Browns are 6-11 and 11 or 7-10. But to me, it's the most stacked division of football. Maybe it doesn't have, like, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen and the Dolphins so good. But every team is so stout and sturdy to me. Uh, that's my uh, – let, what, what's your final one there, Wes? Uh, my final one is uh, the Jimmy G injury. Uh, I don't think teams are really – or. The media is really talking about it as much as they probably should be. I mean, obviously we're, you know, two months away from, you know, some semblance of real football. Uh, so there is is time. Um, but yeah, the early word is his ankle still not fully healed. Um, the Raiders have a, an out in his contract where. Uh, if he doesn't pass the his physical, they can get out of his contract with you know nothing against the books. Um, that would leave them with Brian Hoyer or uh, Aiden O'Connell, yeah, Aiden O'Connell, fourth round rookie, uh, to step in, or they could you know go fishing for like a Carson Wentz, uh, who's currently working out with John Gruden in Tampa. Um, so yeah, I, I I mean this is a team that you know maybe they want to run with Hoyer and O'Connell and essentially tank for uh, a Drake May or a Caleb Williams. Um, is Josh McDaniels the coach that 
or is he a head coach? Uh, this is, you know, his second uh, stint as a head coach and early indications are this isn't going well for him either. So I, I really don't know what to make of this Raiders team, and I don't know if um, this team without a healthy Jimmy G will really be much of anything uh, this coming year. So that that was one storyline that kind of caught my eye is, you know, what to expect out of Las Vegas. Yeah, und- undoubtedly. Um I used to write about the NFL on the whole on Fansite's website, but I transitioned to the Vikings only. However, if I was going to write something about the weirdest off-season transactions in the NFL, I think my number one would be the Raiders switching from Derek Carr to Jimmy Garoppolo. I just and and I'd get it if they would have drafted like Anthony Richardson too, because then it's just a bridge type of thing. But they they quite literally just said, well, you know, Derek Carr isn't good enough, so we're going to Garoppolo, who's less healthy than Derek Carr and probably not even as prolific down the stretch of games. So I completely agree, Wes, especially in what already feels like a tell-all year for Josh McDaniels. To figure it out, I, I for the life, if I was a, I mean, it, it would be like uh, this time next year, all the Vikings fans on this panel, Cousins leaves in free agency and the Vikings sign Ryan Tannehill as the solution. That's exactly what it would be like. We would be like, our jaws would drop and they're like, you know what? Tannehill led the Titans AFC championship. So we're going to give him, we'd be like, what? This is the same, same <laughs> shit. And this guy isn't even as good as Cousins. I feel like that is exactly what is going on with the Raiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jimmy's super overrated. I was reading earlier <laughs> that he was first, second, and first to the last couple of years and yards over expected from his completed targets, which mm. once again just touches on the yak ability in San Francisco. You take away all that stuff from Jimmy's stats, and yeah, just like you guys are saying, he's pedestrian as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's that's fine and dandy, but on top of it, he's going to miss at least seven games per year. Mm-hmm. And, and you only have, what, Devontae Adams? And Jacoby yeah. Myers and Renfro. A bunch yeah. of blockers playing receiver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the one year that Garoppolo was healthy, that was the year the Niners got to the Super Bowl and were mere minutes or a, a touchdown throw that Garoppolo couldn't make from winning the damn thing. Another testament to the Niners' greatness is if they could just find a healthy quarterback, my God. See, and um, that's why everybody's so obsessed with Brock Purdy and put him up on this pedestal is because they're like, they're not looking at like, hey, did we find this talent at quarterback that we just can't let go and we got to start them? They're looking at, oh, we finally filled the guy to make layups at quarterback. Like, that's what we've been searching for. You haven't been looking for a Brock Purdy. You've been looking for a Trey Lance and you ended up with another Brock Purdy right after you booted the other one out the door. What they need is durability. And Kirk Cousins is probably a top five most durable quarterback in NFL history. That's why it makes so much sense when he hits free agency to just sign with the 49ers. Speaking mm-hmm. of, you guys have seen the trailers for the Netflix documentary with Mahomes, mm-hmm. Cousins, and um, Mariota. We yeah. definitely got to discuss that whenever it drops. I'm, I'm yeah, the trailer came out, and I think it's a few uh, a few weeks away. The, the Vikings have a season ticket holder sneak preview i think on july 11 that's cool yeah they invited us to come watch it for free and party and have trivia and all this shit and i was like sweet (laughs) sweet and that's that's so neat i walk by in the mall i walk by the cowboy dallas cowboys shop and i'm always i'll tell amanda 
Like, man, just imagine looking in there and that's all Viking stuff. How crazy <laughs> would that be? Oh, yeah, you got to move the Twin Cities then, homie. Yeah. All right, give us your final one, uh, final under-the-radar storyline, and then I'll close this out, Cody. Uh, my my final storyline, I, I kind of tagged on with that last one there, but okay. uh, just my trending up teams. I got, I got the Browns trending up as, to tag on to your AFC North talk. I think mm-hmm. Watson's going to... Uh, show his old form as much as you know even I would hate to see it and he'd love to see him stay a villain I think that the Browns are going to transition to one of the most pass happy teams in the league super intrigued to see what happens with Nick Chubb there Um, I do think that in the right scenario if they aren't doing good he's someone who could get moved Um, but uh, then I also got the Colts trending up uh, obviously with my um, love for Anthony Richardson and then also got the Falcons, who I briefly touched on before. My trending down teams. Um, I tried to pick some ones that are sneaky here, not just the obvious ones. I got the Dolphins. Um, maybe their defense doesn't fulfill. I don't think that they really did a whole bunch this offseason. I mean, they did for the defense. I'm not a big believer in Vic Fangio's uh, defensive scheme. I think that it's it's kind of like what we saw last year in Minnesota, but with a way less experienced. It is exactly caller. like that. Yeah, and and, it, and that's a defense that it plays scared. It lets people score points, score yards. I don't think that with Miami's offense that it's a good fit. Um, and then same with their offense. They didn't add a whole bunch. I do think Tua is going to have a career year again. This is another one of my low-key MVP candidates, uh, which kind of aligns with, the bad defense, despite, you know, everybody's hyping them up with Jalen Ramsey and a couple people, a couple players taking steps forward, which is entirely possible at uh, Vic Fangio's special positions like edge, uh, maybe corner, but he's notoriously bad with linebackers up the middle of the defensive line. Uh, I, I think that overall for what the expectations are in Miami, I think that their defense is going to not fulfill, which could in turn hurt the offense that is all gas and it needs some time on the bench. And then um, I got the Cowboys taking steps backwards. They didn't, they didn't add anybody behind Tony Pollard. I do not think Deuce Vaughn is a um, player that plays in this league besides special teams. And their defense, uh, they didn't really add any major pieces, in my opinion. They didn't really lose any major pieces. The biggest piece for me is, believe it or not, Zeke and uh, – that kind of element that he provides that they might be missing this year. I'm not sure Dak is a guy to carry it all. Oh, prove me wrong. And then last one was the Ravens. I uh, got the Ravens trending down in my book. Uh, they're, they're kind of relying on health to really help them out this season. Uh, as we touched with Rashad Bateman and his list, Frank uh, OBJ recovering from his injuries. You got Ronnie Stanley, the leader of their offensive line left tackle, trying to come back from his own injuries. The defense was littered with injuries last year. This is a team that does look like they could do some damage, but in a tough division, I've got to take the other teams that aren't betting on health um, and just steps forward. I think OBJ was a huge mistake. If anything, I mean, they might be trying to force this guy the ball. Y'all touched on the new offense coordinator being installed. Um, I mean, Lamar Jackson just got paid. Not saying that he's someone that will get worse once he gets paid, but like we've talked touched on contract years a contract year is a hell of a lot different than a just got paid year usually. So I think that, and in conclusion, Dolphins, Cowboys, Ravens could have a little bit of full gold to them. On the Fangio defense, 
Uh, that is precisely the defense that the Vikings ran last year, except for when Fangio does it, it's usually good. That's the mm-hmm. only difference. Uh, so, yeah, if you're wondering what the Dolphins defense could look like stylistically, it's Ed Donatel because Ed Donatel came from that Fangio tree. Um, sir, Cody, then who is the last place, last place finish in the AFC North? Is it the Ravens or is it the Steelers? Man, I think it's the Ravens, and I think I think the Steelers, like you said, this is tough. But I do. I think the Browns and Bengals are gonna make it. I really okay. do. Uh, Browns. At this point, I'm trying to. A lot of my rankings will come from offensive line projections, and I mm-hmm. think the Browns. They they for sure have a top. At worst, top four offensive mm-hmm. line. Um, the Bengals. <laughs> theirs is probably the worst out of the group, but I mean this team just has results surely it can't be the Bengals. something catastrophic has to happen there for that to happen and so it comes down to the Steelers and the Ravens the Ravens man like you said this is tough I got the Ravens in the cellar we'll go with the Ravens this month uh Kenny Pickett man it's just so hard for me to get hyped up on him I didn't like him coming out of the draft you know that doesn't happen to me very often and a lot of people are projecting him to take a leap because of his last six games last year and when you look at his averages, they'll, they'll try to tell you, like, hey, look at his first uh, 11 games. Here are his turnover-worthy plays, yada, yada, yada. And then they'll show you when you actually look at the stats. It's like he averaged 160 yards a game. He had <laughs> one interception. But he also had, like, four touchdowns over those six games. Or, like, not very many touchdowns. Yeah. So you're, you're betting on a very small, unimpressive sample size. Let's go with Steelers, Ravens, both not making the playoffs. Oh yeah, well, then that would make sense in the landscape of the playoff picture. It's just hard for me to figure out. That would mean Lamar probably had to get hurt, and then the Steelers finish nine and eight because we know they're not going to finish yeah, below five hundred. I, I, I was thinking eight and nine, so we're yeah. spot no, on. they're not allowed. <laughs> Even last year, they like from the from the depths of hell. Yep, the depths <laughs> of hell. They came back. Uh, my last one. I'll make it quick because we're running over time. Is how long? Does Matthew Stafford stay with the Rams or in the NFL? The man is 35 years old. An easy rule of thumb for Vikings fans is that he is six months older than Kirk Cousins. And when we may be doing this show in five years from now, are we looking back? And that Super Bowl was really just kind of that was the moment for Stafford. And then everything faded away and he retired two years later. Um, because outside of me, who is picking a sneaky McVay team to get in the final spot of the playoffs, Everybody assumes based on the talent level that the Rams are cooked. And what does that mean for Stafford? Did they rebuild with him into his age 36, 37 seasons? Or is this the last hurrah for him? Or does he just call it, call it good because he got his chip. Um, But I think that's one of the more interesting thing because we catapulted this man into the top 10 of quarterback rankings because he won a Super Bowl. And I mean, that's not totally unfair, but then all of a sudden now we're like, oh, the Rams are going to suck and nobody cares. Last year they were awful and he was hurt and didn't look good when he played. This year they're set up to not be good according to Vegas. And it was kind of like we we got this sudden climax from Stafford and everybody was like, all right, you know, no, you can go. You can suck now. That's fine. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens to him because he's not crazy old. Uh, I mean, based on the way that Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have revolutionized age in the NFL Stafford should be able to play for five more years but right now it feels like his stock is just meh because his team is meh all right next week we'll be back I'm not sure what the topics will be but Jason Bowen should be back in the saddle and we shall rejoin you in seven days all right gentlemen all righty all right take it easy
Later. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.